Welcome to the HSCT Warriors Podcast, bringing voice to the journeys of HSCT Warriors worldwide. I'm Dr. Jen Stansberry Koenig, or Zen Jen, and so grateful to share this story with you. As we continue to grow the HSCT Warrior community, illuminate the invisibilities of autoimmune disease, recognize the possibilities of a future free from disease progression, connect through our shared experiences, and advocate for an inclusive society. We're so glad you've joined us. So welcome, Eric. Thanks so much for taking time to share your story with us. Thank you, Jen. I'm really excited to be here with you today. Yeah. So tell us, uh, maybe we can start with how you even were diagnosed with autoimmune disease and then how you came to find HSCT. Well, I think just like with most people, it is a, it's an interesting and, and crazy journey. I feel like my story is, is unique in that I was, I have a, a five-year-old daughter and we were as a family all laying in a bed together and she was wearing these hard toed shoes and she decided to kick her foot down and it happened to hit me right below the eye. Mm. And if she would have gotten a, a, probably a half inch higher, she might've blinded me. That's how hard it was. Wow. So a couple days, my eyes swelled up like I'd been punched by a mule in the face. <laughs> and a couple days later, I started having this excruciating pain that went down the side of my face and was mainly in my ear, but would then move around and eventually went into like my mouth. It was just, it was all over the, the, the right side of my face. And I didn't know what it was. So first I thought it was an ear infection. So I went to a, a quick clinic and they checked me out and they're like, you don't have an ear infection, but here's some drops. And then the pain kept coming back and back and back. So I went to another place that was a little bit more serious doctor. And he said, you have trigeminal neuralgia. Oh, yikes. And I had never heard of that before, and I didn't know what it was. And he referred me to an ENT. So I went to the ENT, and she she got me an MRI on a Monday. She called me on Wednesday afternoon, and she said, uh, we're pretty sure you have multiple sclerosis. Oh, yikes. Over the phone? Yeah, over the phone. I mean, and this is this is just one of the many interactions I can tell you I had with medical professionals in the space that were particularly unsettling. It's I, gracious. I think it's gracious <laughs> of you to use the term professional, right? Even well, it's interesting. I, I was obviously devastated by what she told me. Of course. And I'm guessing that there's a decent number of people that when they get diagnosed have no idea what multiple sclerosis is, but I had particular experience with it because I dated a woman back in the late nineties who was diagnosed with MS and I went through the journey with her a bit and I knew, I knew what that meant for me. And, uh, as we were talking before we started the interview, I, I've worked my whole life in, in television and production and we learned to think ahead so, okay, what's, what's next? What's next? What's next? So you're living more in the future than you are in the present or certainly the past. So for me, when I got that diagnosis and I had my experience with her, 
all I could see what my future was. And it was, it was devastating because I have two young children. I have a wife, you know, I I have have a family like all your other guests. And it was just a devastating thing to hear. For sure. So did you seek other opinions? I mean, an ear, nose, throat specialist doesn't necessarily a a doctor to typically diagnose MS. Exactly right. And so this is where the journey starts to get a little bit uh, more rapid and, and a little bit crazier. So I immediately made an appointment with, um, with, an, with, with a neurologist. And the other side story of this is it just so happens that I worked at a place where a lot of other people have been diagnosed with various illnesses, including a disproportionate amount of people that had been diagnosed with MS. So those were the first people I called. I had three people that I worked directly with who all have been diagnosed with MS. Uh, There's a lawsuit associated with this, and we can go into that if you want. Oh, wow. That's fascinating. Yeah, but there's – so there's so I had immediate resources um, of people to talk to and get get doctor uh, referrals and that kind of thing, diet advice. Uh, So I was immediately on the phone with them. And then my neighbor across the street, um, I had seen her outside with her dog uh, just a couple weeks before, and her son has MS, and he's an adult. He's he's like he's thirty, and because I had that experience with MS earlier, we were talking, and she was telling me about all the advancements, and that he was on this treatment that you know was revolutionary, and I, and I didn't I didn't know I had MS at the time, so I was just like, wow, this is this is fantastic. So I went and knocked on her door and I told her what my, you know, what my preliminary diagnosis was. And I was asking her about what his treatment was. It turned out later on, I found out his treatment was Lemtrada, which I, I did not try and I did not do, Mm. but, but, um, at least it got me thinking that there, there was, there's more out there than I had originally known about. Sure. So after talking to these individuals who I worked with, and they gave me advice. I scheduled appointments with two different neurologists. The first one looked at my MRI and immediately confirmed that that I had MS. I've got, um, in some senses, I'm I'm lucky. I have, I have, ten to twenty small lesions on the outer part of my brain, so it doesn't affect my movement. But in retrospect, I think it was really affecting me cognitively that I, I wasn't even aware. Sure, it's uh, hard I, to notice that until you get through HSCT, right? And yeah, yeah, exactly. And my, I mean, just to fast forward, my cognitive skills and ability are so much higher now than they were in, in retrospect. Wonderful. So, and it's, and it's amazing because, um, I was diagnosed in June of 2020 in March of 2020. I do, I do this big of, that I produce and we hadn't, we didn't do it last year because of COVID but we did it again this year. And I had this like epiphany about how much sharper I was than the two years before. And it wasn't, it wasn't even close. So I, I'm here to tell you that you can, if you decide to do HSCT, it can definitely help you from a cognitive standpoint. There's no doubt it's helped me. No, mm. absolutely no doubt. So yeah, so, we're getting ahead of ourselves, right? But that's so yeah, great to hear. And I, and I don't, I don't mean to, but so I went and saw the first doctor who confirmed the diagnosis and gave me all these tests. And 
I'm competitive. So, you know, she's going to squeeze my finger and, and memorize this. And, and, and I did all of it and I aced all of it. And I was hoping she would say, well, maybe you don't. And of course I did. The lesions um, tell us otherwise. So, yeah. Yeah. So I went home from that doctor with a bag of marketing material and she said, we're going to have our coordinator call you tomorrow and you can pick what medicine you want to be on. And I'm thinking to myself, how is how is this possible that I'm going to go through a bag of marketing material and decide what what's going to help me? How do I know it's going to help me? And then I saw another doctor who is actually worse uh, in that she confirmed the diagnosis also, but then she told me, well, you can either get a shot every couple months or you can take some pills. And it was like, it was nothing about efficacy. It was just about, you know, ease of, of what you want to take. And, and I was like, wow, uh, I, this doesn't, this doesn't seem like you're, you know, you're, you're just hoping that it helps me. You're not, you're not really steering me in any direction. And interestingly, None of those physicians talked to me about diet, which um, my friend who I, I talked to, that's all she prescribes for herself is, is a very clean diet. So I immediately started that and, and we can talk about diet, I hope. Um, for sure. Because I, I think it's incredibly important um, and it's, it's difficult. I know it's difficult, but, but I've, I've been sticking to it. So after those two experiences with the doctor and my, my dad happens to be best friends with a neurologist and I had access to him. And so I, I talked to him at great length. And then at the same time I started doing my own research and I'm so lucky that I came across HSCT and, and we can, we can go into that and you can ask me whatever questions you want, but well, it's amazing to me. You've, you were surrounded by people with direct experience with MS and it still took conducting your own research to find HSCT. Yeah, there wasn't a single healthcare professional or uh, my my dad's friends who's a neurologist or the other people who I'm exposed to. And like I said, there's, there's three others that I worked with directly that I spoke to all of them. None of them have heard of HSCT. None of them. Fascinating. Now, yeah, now, interestingly, my sister... Uh, she has a, a a person who's her basically her dietitian, and she had HSCT in 2015. So I reached out to her as well, and she's now my person who helps me with my diet and and that and that whole that whole regimen. So I was able to speak to someone. I had discovered what HSCT was online, and then my sister got me in touch with her. Her name's Gloria, and she's been an amazing resource to me. That's fantastic. So, so basically you saw these doctors and you didn't like what you were hearing. Did you just set their advice aside? Like how did you manage that in the time? And when well, did you change your diet? I changed my diet immediately. Uh, my friend who has MS, she's, she's a representative of Whole30. So that's where I started. And I have sent and immediately I dropped out all processed sugar, all gluten, all dairy, all soy, alcohol. Uh, it's all been eliminated and I haven't gone back to it. You know, on my birthday last year, I, I cheated. But um, <laughs> and what did you notice? 
I noticed again, my cognitive abilities are stronger and my energy is stronger. Everything's better with the diet. I, I, I was never overweight, but I immediately like leaned out and I've been working out my whole life. And if you ever want to know the secret, it's, it's 80% in diet and 20% in exercise. Mm. So, so that's what happened. That's what happened with the diet. And I, and I, and I've been exercising, but I think this is what makes my story unique. And I'm, I'm hoping some people, uh, who are listening to this are early in their diagnosis. As I said before, I happened to, to live in the future and I saw, you know, I saw things that I didn't want to see in my future. So I was desperate for help. So when I found HSCT, I made the immediate decision to get it done. Uh, I was diagnosed on June 3rd, 2020. I was in Puebla, Mexico on July 5th, 2020. And I had had HSCT finished exactly seven weeks to the day of my diagnosis. Holy, holy wow. <laughs> yeah. That's well, amazing. I think I, if I'm not the fastest to HSCT, I've got to be close because I borrowed from my, my 401k and it happened to be in that, in that particular year, there was no tax penalty for borrowing from your 401k. So I got the funds together immediately and I made the, I made the call. Now I have a, I have a big family. And I, like I said, I have that friend of my dad's who's a neurologist. Everyone thought I was making the decision too fast. They said, can you wait? Can you wait? Can you wait? You shouldn't do this. And all of the horror stories that you hear, uh, I was steadfast in, in, in my decision. What and, convinced you? Uh, I, like I said, because because I saw the picture of, of what could be, and I had read, luckily, you know, uh, there's a lot of bad things about social media, but thank goodness that, you know, all the Facebook pages are there to read the stories of the people who went through it. And it's just, what made me do it was hope. I didn't see any hope with the doctor's advice that they were giving me here in the U.S. And with HSCT, I saw hope. And I talked to Gloria and she's in her sixties and she, she lives a clean life and she's done phenomenally well with HSCT. So I saw enough stories and I had that glimmer of hope that I wasn't going to listen to anyone who was trying to talk me out of it. And I just, I just decided to do it. Brilliant. So how did it go for you? Well, as I said, I was, I went to Monterey or Puebla. I went to Puebla immediately. It was, like I said, it was, it was just about four weeks later. I was there. Um, my wife came with me. She could only stay with me for the first week. And then I had a caregiver the last three weeks. Uh, as everyone says, the doctors are first rate. The treatment facility is wonderful the the way they do it is just amazing and you always feel safe and comfortable and my caregiver joy the last three weeks was was such a great resource for me i could ask her questions i could lean on her i, I could you know it was really um it was really phenomenal the entire experience and honestly jen i, I left my my score is probably a 0.5 or a zero. The only thing I knew, reason I knew I had MS, because I didn't know about my cognitive decline, 
was from the trigeminal neuralgia and and that hasn't come back at all so i literally am living a life without any effects from ms um every once in a while when i get really tired i get some tingly feet but it's never to the point where uh, it, it affects me in any way i could just oh then I, I just feel that and that doesn't happen very often so i just want anyone who's listening even if i can convince one person go as fast as you can i have i have like i almost have like survivors guilt in a way because i was there with so many people who had you know so much yes. so many more effects and they were they were wonderful people and I could, you know, run up and down the stairs and I was working out for the first two weeks when I was there and my roller coaster ride hasn't been particularly bad. Um, I immediately got back to my life. Um, I continued to do everything and anything I want to do that I did previously with the exception of the diet that I hold true to. So I really believe and possibly being the fastest person to go to HSCP that the sooner you go, the better. Yeah. To get there before your body incurs damage, that takes a very long time to reverse. If ever, that's the whole point is that we halt the progression where it is. Right. And I, I just, again, I want to, I just want to, because there's a lot of people who I've had the opportunity to counsel. I, I know I've gotten at least two people to do it, but a lot of people are skeptical as you know and they they you know they don't want to leave the country first and foremost i can tell you that you will never find better treatment there uh and it is without a doubt at this point our best option and if you want to hear about the efficacy and this is kind of a cool story in 2019 i went to the dermatologist for my yearly check and i also pointed out to the woman i said hey i have this this thing on half my mustache where the hair's not growing in. And when I went to get HSCT, that was still the case. It was that case case for over a year. And I didn't know this, but she told me that it was alopecia and that alopecia is an autoimmune disorder. I had no idea. Mm. So when I had the HSCT, my hair almost immediately started growing back in in that spot. And it continues to do that. So for me, it's like I almost have my own marker that this thing worked. Mm. Like I had an autoimmune disease and I wasn't growing hair and now I am. So something has changed. And Your immune system. <laughs> Your yes, immune system was reset. Too. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. And I couldn't be happier about it. Isn't that fascinating? So why was it important for you to participate in the podcast? I think you've somewhat answered this already, but. Yeah, I think. I think I've been disappointed, as I think most of us who have gone through it, the receptivity of the treatment by people who who need it. Like, for instance, I am I'm very close to the three other people I worked with who all of us have MS. And I've told them about my journey. And I know some of them really need to go now. And they're just not doing it. And I. I don't want to offend them and I don't want to make them feel bad and we all make our own decisions, but it's been frustrating how many people either brush me aside or, you know, well, I'm listening to my doctor and this treatment is working. And so I, I, 
I hope I just I hope I can help one more person by by coming out with my story. And my story is simple. Go as fast as you can, because I am living proof that it works and that you can you can have your life the way you want to have your life if you go quickly. Well, and the the medications, right, the disease modifying therapies will always be there on the other side if if it for whatever reason, right, is not effective for you. Yes, and and one of the gentlemen I was there with, it it is it has not worked for him and he's back on some DMDs and and I I you know, I hope every day that he that they're effective because we're like family now, as I'm sure you are with your cohort. You know, we have a bond and it's and I wanted so bad it for it to work for everybody. And and unfortunately, it, it doesn't. And um, but I, I again, I think the faster you go, the, the much higher odds you'll have because he was out of um, RRMS and he was progressing a little quicker. So it's it's just it's devastating. It is. Well, and it's interesting you point that out because Dr. Burt recently published a uh, peer reviewed journal article that talks about HSET and the efficacy during a very short window of time when you are transitioning to secondary progressive and kind of helps to redefine secondary progressive and the timing. And I was one of those people earlier in the window of the transition, if you will. Because the first time I went for evaluation, I had active lesions. And six months later, I didn't, but I was still progressing. And so that was his cue of, you need this sooner than later. Yeah. Right? Like a year from now, I can't help you. At least that's what he's been trying to help redefine. But I digress. Um, So Puebla, and you met some wonderful people, and you made some bonds. So what about a most memorable experience for you while you were in Puebla? Okay, so I'm going to go off the board a little bit and hopefully help some people. So for, after my first round of chemo, I, you know, one of the set of side effects are hiccups. So I was the lucky one that got the hiccups. When I say that, you think it's not a big deal. But after you have hiccups for about six or seven hours, and then it goes to nine hours, it becomes really, really painful. Of course. Uh, and so my my caregiver, Joy, was trying to help me, and she was trying every cure that there was on the internet. And we finally found one. And I'm, I need to put this on YouTube because it genuinely works every single time. You fill a cup of water, and you get a straw. And then you, when you're drinking through the straw, the entire cup of water, you put your fingers in your ears and plug them as hard as you can. And somehow that must create some kind of seal because every time I did it, it worked. Fascinating. And it was such a wonderful thing to make those hiccups go away. I bet. Because it, I, was in, I was in really bad pain. So, so well, that yeah. was... At that point, your ribs hurt, your diaphragm hurts, everything hurts. Yeah, I, I would have never guessed that, that the hiccups would be one of the worst things that would happen to me. And then I, my body, because I'd never been on a DMD or, or any other heavy medicine, I think my body just didn't know what I was doing to it. And it was, and, and so I spiked a pretty high fever and they immediately uh, went into action and took care of me beautifully. 
but I got two days off track, which then I left my cohort and I ended up moving into one uh, behind it. So I'm still, I'm still closer with the folks I was first with, but that was kind of a bummer when I, when I had to move, move back a couple of days. Yeah. That's interesting uh, because they do a lot of things in groups there, don't they? They do. They do. You, you, you do everything with your group. Uh, you get your medications at the same time, you get your chemo at the same time, you get your stem cell, you get your port put in. So it does become like you're taking all your bus trips together. And, and because we were there during COVID, we were really isolated together. We couldn't, you know, normally you can go sightseeing and go to a restaurant before before the chemo. We couldn't do any of that stuff. Sure. So bonus that you got to meet two groups. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know the the second group didn't take to me as well like I, and it wasn't they were they were no they were no everyone was super nice to me but it was just it wasn't the same family kind of thing sure you were an interloper at that point yeah exactly I was like invading on their space which which I understood so how about recovery how has it been going well I have like I said I have two small children so when I got home uh in early August it was it was immediately back into uh, the the regular schedule, and at that time we had decided we were the kids were just about to start school that we were gonna keep them home, and so I was I ended up being the teacher for for three kids, not, two of them which were not mine. So, oh right, I, because of COVID. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't really. I thought I was, I, my, my vision was that I was going to come home and lock myself in a room and stay away from everybody for, I don't even know how long I was thinking a long time, but I immediately got back into life and, and I, and I, and I managed to make it work. I was, I was tired, but, but I was able to do it. Um, and, and I, you know, in some ways, COVID was lucky for me because my work all moved to online stuff sure. and Zoom meetings. So I was able to participate in those. I even did those when I was in Puebla. I worked pretty much every day except for three of the days in the middle when I spiked that fever. So I just, I, like I said, I think I'm just, I'm just so lucky that I got there so fast that I was able to get through the recovery fairly, fairly unscathed. Indeed. And so you mentioned that some of your family had a hard time getting on board, right? And you had done your research and you were convinced and clearly you convinced your wife. Were there any doubts or reservations even after you had made up your mind? That's a that's a really good question. I think and and maybe others who've gone through it and I don't I would wonder like for you, I feel like a lot of times, especially in the beginning, you you want to validate your decision. So like when I was talking about my mustache, I sent pictures to everybody. It's like, look, this worked, this yeah. works, this works. Um, but you never, I, I, I still haven't gotten that you were right. You made the right decision. We, you know, and it's not like right versus wrong. And I, I just, I just want some kind of like validation that, that I made the right choice. And I think, and I, I don't think it's because I need the validation. I think it's because I want other people to say, wow, you really made the right choice to almost make me feel like I did because they were so against it. So I do, I have this thing in the back of my mind all the time. Like, um, 
wanting to just wanting them to validate it. But I'm not sure it's ever going to happen in the way that, that I, that I want it to. And, and, and every day, you know, when you first get diagnosed, you think about it all the time. And then once you're in recovery, you still think about it pretty often. But then as you get farther and farther away, I can go, I can go days now without thinking about the fact that I have MS and that's like the greatest gift because I used to think about it every single night before I went to bed and, and just, you know, when I wake up in the morning, what's it going to do to me? Uh, and that's why I got there so quickly. There's a lot of fear, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, um, it's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying. Truly it is. And for you to know so many people with the disease, because you can probably maybe notice things that other people wouldn't necessarily notice. Yes. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm around some of these folks fairly often and I can see, I can see the toll that it's taken and it, and it's, it's just, it's heartbreaking because there is, there really is hope. There really, really is hope. And, um, you know, I don't know, uh, we can get into a whole discussion about the pharmaceutical companies and doctors approaches here that's that's fairly exhausted but at some point we've got to we've, we've got to doesn't it's not even expensive and i think that's what makes it makes it harder to get going here is because people don't want to lose their money and uh, i don't know if you saw this or not but i just saw an article about this gentleman who had sickle cell his whole life and it was in devastating pain and he had a hsct type procedure and it worked for him and the sickle cell is gone and yep. now he's living, he's living pain free. So mm. it's, you know, there are many, there are many people that can be helped by this. So many people can be helped. And that's why I do what I do anyway. I know. And you're awesome. Oh. It's, it's so good. <laughs> I mean, it is, I remember I listened to one of your podcasts early on and the woman you were talking to had the trigeminal neuralgia yes. and I was, and I was listening to her experience and in, in, in what she went through and then all of the things she had to go through to make the pain stop. And for whoever has had it and whoever hasn't had it, they compare it to, and it's easy for me to say, but they compare it to pregnancy pain. It's that it is, it is so acute and in your so face. sharp. Yeah. And it's in your face and you don't know when it's coming and you don't know when it's going to go away Yeah, and you don't know how to make it stop. I, you know, I, I told I, I went to the dentist too. I, that was one of my stops too. I was like, I yep. think I've got an, I, I think I've got something, you know, wrong with my teeth. And he's like, nothing's wrong with your teeth. Uh, so I did the exact <laughs> same thing. I had it close to the, I don't want to say end, but a few months prior to HSCT. And I was convinced because I've only had one cavity in my life, and I think that was just a doctor trying to make money off of me because I, <laughs> I don't think it was a real cavity. But, like, I had no idea where this pain was coming from. I thought it was an ear infection. That was not the case. And, I, like, it was random, totally unexpected, and would just hit you like a needle in the middle of your skull. Just excruciating pain. Yeah, it's... Uh it's really hard to describe and it's, and it's without a doubt, it's not fun. It's definitely not fun. No. And so you haven't had that come back. Have you? No, no, no. And it, if I did, it would, it would definitely scare me. 
and uh, I'm I'm such a proponent of, of HSCT. If if it does swing back around and and try to get me, uh, that's going to still be my first stop. Yeah, right. Is, is to go back to Mexico because it, it works. It 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 definitely works. So other than get there as soon as possible, is there any other advice you might offer someone? Yeah, I I think part of my speedy recovery and and the fact that that the treatment worked is is the diet piece and I know trust me, food is delicious. I know how hard that is, but I would say that you've got to take a two-pronged approach. If you want to do HSCT, that's going to have pretty big effects on your on your system, mm. and, and and it's not just for a short period of time. You're you're you know you're poisoning yourself. You're 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 choosing to put that in your body, and your body can and and will recover. But if you can keep that inflammation away and speed up that healing by by cleaning up your diet. Uh, and I know I sound super preachy and I'm sorry, but, but you, you, you owe it to yourself. And like I said, I know food is delicious. There's some, there's some really good alternatives now that I eat that, that I would, you know, say, Hey, you can still, you can still enjoy eating, but, but just try it, you know, try to get rid of as much inflammation as possible and try to get yourself someone who can help clean up your gut health and, and that kind of thing. And that, I think that, that side of it is, is almost, if not equally important as the HSCT that you're healing. Agreed. Yeah. And then, you know, you start, you start going down the, the rabbit hole and I, you know, it turns out I have these things called mycotoxins, which I'm now taking a lot of supplements to get rid of that. And that apparently is from mold exposure, but I actually, and I'm just, it's just a hypothesis. I think it's from, remember I, I, I alluded to the fact earlier that I worked in a place where lots of people have not only had MS, but cancers and lots of other things because we were exposed to, we had chemical exposure. Uh, so I actually think it might not be the mold that the, that gave me these mycotoxins. I think it might be that chemical exposure that I had years mm, ago. Just guessing. Yeah. Did you ever have Epstein-Barr? Uh, I, yes, I did. All that, yeah. the new research on that is so fascinating. I know. I, I, I got, I had mono when I was 14 and I, you know, that time in your life is so memorable and I can still remember that feeling I had. And, um, it's, it's amazing and, and a little scary that something that happens to you that early in your life can, can, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't leave you. Right. Yeah. I just had my antibodies checked. I don't even remember if I've ever had them checked. And I was like, but I know I had mono in high school. I know I had it. Sure enough. Those antibodies. Do you still have antibodies? Oh, yeah. Golly, man. Body is an amazing, amazing thing. And uh, it it does so many great things for us. And, mm-hmm. and it, you know, it has a memory. Indeed, it does. I'm trying to change mine every day. So (laughs) (laughs) what about a superpower that you gained through your experience with HSCT? Um, What would be my superpower? That's a, that's a really great question. I, I, you know, I, I still have that survivor's guilt almost, you know, those people who are in these devastating things and then they come out okay and they see, you know, a lot of folks around them that, that don't do as well or, 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 you know, or that kind of thing. So 
I, I just sometimes this is going to sound crazy and I don't, I, I feel it's, it's hard to describe. Um, you know, I talked to my therapist about it. It's like you, you feel bad that you're doing so well. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I think my superpower is really my recovery. Like I haven't, I haven't had to look back, you know, I haven't, I haven't had to, to, you know, except for that trigeminal neuralgia episode, I haven't had to suffer the consequences with the exception of, you know, going through the chemotherapy of my illness. So I just, I feel like that's my superpower. I just feel so lucky that I got there so fast. So I guess my, my superpower is speed. (laughs) There you go. That's brilliant. May that be your validation you're seeking, right? That you continue to remind yourself, right? That I got there quickly. And so of course people don't understand because people never saw how much havoc the disease can wreak, right? They didn't see that in you. They they couldn't see your trigeminal neuralgia. They couldn't see your brain fog. Heck, you couldn't even see it. I know. I know. You know, I just thought I was, because I'm about to be 50 and I thought, you know, I was, I was having trouble. Like I'd wake up in the morning so sore and I get up and down the stairs. I was like, oh my goodness, man, you're getting old, man. <laughs> and cause I'm normally, you know, hopping around doing anything. And this is a very slow progression. You know, they think I've, I guess I've had it since whenever, but they, you know, based on my MRI that the woman said, well, you probably had this for 10 or 15 years, which definitely coincides with the chemical exposure that I was referring to. So it, this is, yeah, it's not an overnight thing. And the brain fog in hindsight definitely had an effect, definitely had an effect. And I, I didn't realize how big it was until, until recently. Until it's clear. Yeah. Yeah. Until you're, until you're clear again. And boy, I, that's another thing I would, I would suggest that folks do is like, I'm on, uh, I do these brain apps every day. Me too. Uh, even, it just, <laughs> yeah, it just takes 10 or 15 minutes. I do MindPal. I do, everybody does Wordle now. And I do the, uh, the New York Times spelling bee, uh, where you have to find words from, from different letters. And I do, I, um, I do it every day. So that's helped a lot too. Going back to the chemical exposure you mentioned, did you end up getting sick? Did you get an infection? Were you sick from that exposure? Because they talk about MS being caused by some infection that triggers your immune system to turn on itself. Or like, was there maybe some other... so I worked in this place for almost 15 years. And we believe that the exposure came from from the place across the street, which has been tested from a chemical standpoint of having these highly, highly, highly toxic chemicals in amounts that far exceed anything that is safe, safe for people to be around. Mm. So I was exposed to this for almost 15 years. Oh my gosh. And so were a lot of other people. So when I tell you that a disproportionate amount of people, I believe somewhere between 16 and 20 people have um, diagnosed with MS. And I know that they don't do a cause and effect with chemicals to MS um, specifically, but there are some that actually are associated. And I was exposed to those chemicals. And that is a that is a crazy number of people um, yeah, in, one place. In, one, in one place. And then in addition to that, the amount of cancers and heart disease, and it's just terrible. 
Oh, it goes so on, and on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. It's it. A lot of. I'm not. I'm not laughing. I promise you. A lot of. You know. There's been a lot of funerals lately of people I worked with, and and it's just it's it's not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. It's terrible. I'm so sorry. And I'm so sorry that people still struggle, right, to see that reality. Yeah, it's 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 just. I mean, it makes me want to cry. It's it's just it's really it's really really tough. It's really tough because none of us knew where we were, what was happening to us, because it was happening slowly. And um, you know, children have had birth defects as a result of it. It's it's just, I I mean, I. I there's in the in the lawsuit that we're in there's over uh you know there's there's over 150 people in it so wow yeah it's not just it's not just me no and yes it's a crazy situation and it's not necessarily an extraordinary amount of people but i'm sure it's very similar to other similar circumstances everywhere else Exactly. And then, you know, every it, it's and I don't know whether our diagnostic capabilities have just skyrocketed, but with all of these illnesses, especially the autoimmune ones, and you know this, the numbers are just exploding. And it's you just have to extrapolate that it's environmentally related and, and we're just we're constantly poisoning our environment. So now it's going to poison us. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's certainly something to pay attention to, that skyrocketing number of people. Yeah. And if something like HSCT can set us into remission with such a high efficacy rate, why don't more doctors talk about it? Well, I'm, I'm interested to get your opinion on that because I have a lot of strong opinions. Um, right. And, and for me, it all comes back to money. Because uh, most most things do, that's the answer. But I'm wondering. So you tell me your your take on this. That's a great question, and I've always tried to stay neutral. Maybe season eight is a little different. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I mean, we know that doctors get payouts from pharmaceutical companies for prescribing certain drugs, and that's a lot of money to give up, and so. When HSCT doesn't necessarily offer similar benefits and is still considered to be experimental, if you will, for autoimmune disease, which blows my mind because there's more than 20 years of research. Yeah, when do, we take, when do we take that experimental label off it? I mean, are, who, who gets to make that decision? Because if I right? get to make it, it's, it's done. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Uh, I think in Dr. Burt's mind, probably it's the same. I know that, especially with other autoimmune diseases for which HSCT has not been offered so often, like HSCT is now a standard of care for scleroderma, which is amazing. That hasn't been celebrated enough. I really hope that HSCT soon becomes a standard of care for MS, particularly the stages of MS for which it is most effective. And maybe that's the experimental part still that they're trying to nail down and really better understand which patient profile will be most, will find the most success through HSCT. Because yeah, it's not easy to put yourself through chemo, right? And that opens the door for other things to potentially develop someday, right? There are other correlative diseases we might be setting ourselves up for, but 
in my mind, and this is just me, and it's not medical advice, right? Because that's not what we do. I'm not a doctor of medicine, but I, like you, have been healthy. I limited the amount of steroids I had prior to HSCT. So, yeah, the chemo was toxic, but hopefully, because I support my body in other ways to detox and continue that healthy lifestyle and just healthy cells within my body that maybe I'm reducing my chance of developing cancer someday, right? Because I'm doing what I can to keep things healthy. I I think there's, there's no doubt about that. And I I think about the cancer thing sometimes I was like, well, I had my, I had my chemotherapy already, so I don't need to worry about cancer. I'll be gone. (laughs) I know. I know that's a silly, you know, it's a silly thing. Um, but so I have these, I have these delusions of grandeur that I'm going to go back to where I was first diagnosed, um, to the, to the neurologist and, and go in that office and just say, Hey, um, this worked. You need to start telling your patients about this or, or like holding up a sign and saying, you, you, you know, going out in front of the office, like you've got, you've got options here. You've got more options than this bag of marketing material. And I just, what is, what is your thought on that? Like going back and, and talking to, you know, the neurologist in a way that's constructive and productive and can, you think, you think anyone would listen? Like, do you think they'd care? I just, I struggle with that. That's a great question. And I think some do. Yeah. I think more doctors need to learn about HSCT. They need to look at the research. They need to read Dr. Burt latest publication, his book talking about the different protocols for all these various autoimmune diseases. And maybe someday more doctors will start offering it as an option. I think maybe there's goes back to that fear factor, right? There's fear around this unknown because Dr. Burt's one of just a few, even in North America, offering HSCT. And at least when I talk to my neurologist prior to HSCT, what do you think about it? And why didn't I learn about this sooner? She says, well, I just never knew if you were bad enough. And quite honestly, when I go to the professional conferences, it's still talked about in general as experimental. Yeah, it's really, it's really tough. So I, you know, I, I do, I, I, I want to I go back and, I, and I'm wondering what, what your advice is on this too. I haven't gone back to the neurologist since my HSCT. And I, and I really, I have no plans to get another MRI. I just don't see why that's going to help me. It gives me anxiety to think about doing it. Um, and I probably shouldn't, but I'm just wondering, you know, do you have thoughts about that? Well, I did. Um, so at my three, a little over three year post HSET anniversary, if you will, I went to see my neurologist and had an MRI and it showed that several of my lesions were shrinking, nice. which was is evidence that yeah. three, three years after transplant, some of these lesions are actually getting smaller. So great. That's part of the evidence we continually need, right? I think that there definitely needs to be more research to follow us post HSCT so we can continue telling the story five years out, seven years out, 10 years out. I mean, I've interviewed people that are 20 years out, 10 years out, and they're living life as though they never had their disease. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing too, is with the scare tactics, people try to tell you that there's a shelf life and and it's going to be this short and after this, this time. And that that's scary, but 
Indeed. In my experience, too, it's, there's been plenty of people who have shown longevity. I think it comes back to that infection. So if, if we develop some infection at some point in any time moving forward after HSCT, then I think there's always that risk of that infection turning our immune system against itself or exposure to toxic chemicals, right? And, right. and manipulation of your gut microbiome, something triggers our immune system to turn on itself. And that can happen to anyone at any point. That doesn't mean that HSCT didn't work per se. Yeah. And it's particularly tough during, during this COVID time. I, you know, I'm extremely careful and I made the decision. I know everyone's different and I, and I don't try to, to get into what's right or wrong there. I, my, I'm a proponent of getting HSCT as fast as you can. What you want to do with your vaccines is, is, is up to you. Cause I, cause I get it. If you have MS, if you want to avoid them, I understand you don't want to trigger it. But I've had both vaccines and I've had the booster and I have a, you know, I have a young daughter at home, like I told you, and, and she brought COVID home. So for Valentine's Day, that was my present. I got COVID. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, and, and to the credit of, of everything, you know, so now I'm, I'm, a, I'm a month and a half out of that and I got fatigued from it. I mean, I had a couple of days where I was, you know, under the weather. I never got, I never got too bad. Um, but, you know, that scares me. And, but I don't, I mean, I don't know what to say. I just, I did okay with that too, luckily. That's phenomenal. So what are you grateful for about your experience with HSCT that has maybe um, gone unspoken? My worldview is always, um, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to travel to places uh, like Southern Africa to, to do work with, with kids in AIDS-affected areas. So I, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of things and I've learned a lot of things from a lot of people. Um, but my, my experience in Mexico was life-changing in, in so many ways, like all the gratefulness that I have and, and just how someone like Dr. Ruiz and someone like Dr. Burt are really in it to help people. And it just gives you such hope. Um, the amount of caring and the amount of attention and the amount of uh, success that they have down there, it just, it's, it's so, it just boosts your spirit because we're constantly hit with so much negativity to enter a place where, they really do care about you and they want to help you. And they're not just trying to, you know, there's no nickel and diming down there. When I got the infection and they had to fill me through all these other things, my bill wasn't any higher. Mm. Um, they just, they just really care about you. And, um, and that's not enough. Like you can't just care about somebody and have it be okay. You also have to have the, the medical, you know, wherewithal to be able to do it. And they've got that too. So sure. I just have, it really gave me a lot of faith in in the medical system, uh, in its ability to actually help people. But ours, and I mean by the U.S., is is so backward that it's we're just just not working at all, and that's that's sad. That's very sad, very sad. But we should end on a high note, right? Let's do that. <laughs> and yeah. that's, I mean, that's the positivity and and the great experience that you enjoyed while you were in Puebla. Yeah. And, and just please people go. <laughs> and I, and I'm, I'm not your doctor, but I'm telling you, um, it, it is 
definitely your best your best opportunity and i know and i know it's scary and i know you're going to have a lot of people tell you not to but you you could do it you can definitely do it including possibly your doctors oh yeah kudos to you for finding the courage to to go on your own and and not wait for the blessings of others yeah do you think do you think there's any kind of um reason to go back to that neurologist and, and, and talk to them about what I did. I don't want, I really, I promise you, I don't want to throw it in their face because I, I would never do that. But I, well, I, I think, I think that lack of awareness or education is a real thing, right? So maybe they also never heard of HSCT, just like the people you talk to that have been diagnosed that have never heard of it. It might be a gift to them. Even if you point them in direct in the direction of Dr. Burt's new textbook, it's a medical textbook to be used right. and taught in medical school. Any doctor who's open-minded enough to consider HSET as a treatment option to halt the progression of autoimmune disease should pick up the book <laughs> and just yeah. read it and make their own decision and see the data and come to their own informed decision. Undoubtedly. And I'm, I'm so thankful that you do this podcast. It is without a doubt helped me and inspired me. And I know you're helping a ton of people and I, and, and I want to do the same. Uh, so if anyone ever wants to get in contact with me and, and talk to my, about my experience and the fact that I went so quickly, I'm, I'm always here to answer questions and help. Awesome. And I'm, as you said, I, we're not doctors, uh, but I think in some ways, that also helps us because we're not restricted by all of these uh, things that tell us what we can't do. We know, we know right. we, we can do. We don't have and a checklist. We just yeah, have personal experience. And maybe you have a thought on this too. And I know this is kind of random, but I, I was also treated by a hematologist when I came home. And I'm wondering why hematologists aren't the ones that actually see MS patients because it's not really a neurological condition. It's a blood condition with yes. your B cells and your T cells. So why aren't hematologists the ones that we go see? I wish I knew the answer to that. Okay. And I love that you pose the question because that's something I keep asking is similar to you. I had same, here's the marketing material. You go home and you decide what <laughs> drug you want to try. And I'm like, right. it should be more scientific than that. It yeah. should be based on my T cells or my B cells and which ones are carrying the negative messaging of autoimmune disease. And why aren't you looking at that as the trained medical physician? Well, it's, it's mind boggling to me. I really want to know the too. answer to that question. Yeah, I actually asked my hematologist that I, I, I said, oh, why aren't you the one that you, and she just said, I don't know. <laughs> or an immunologist. So neurologists, yeah. at least my understanding is that they deal with those neurological conditions or the symptoms we might experience because of the lesions in our central nervous system or in our brain. Yeah. But that goes back to how doctors are trained. And if they're trained to look at a checklist and come to some determination and say, well, here's a prescription to try. You know, like even yesterday, going to have my knee checked out and x-rayed, and I'm talking about this pain I'm in and that there's got to be something wrong. And maybe structurally it looks fine, but I know that something is wrong after years of hyperextension. She's like, well, I can write you a prescription for a pain, pain medication. I'm like, I'm not interested in that. It was three different times she offered 
And I three different times said, no, thank you. I'm not interested in medication. Well, that's what my doctor told me, my general doctor. This was before I was diagnosed with MS. We monitoring my cholesterol. It's a, it was a little bit high. And he's like, well, you know, we can put you on this medicine or you can change your diet. I said, I'd, I'd rather change my diet. And he said, well, most people who come into me don't want to alter anything they're doing. They just want a magic pill. So I don't I don't blame them all the way because they are trained. And and he admitted to me, he's like, in medical school, we were never trained on nutrition. No. And And our culture is quick and easy, right? Yeah. And if you realize how important nutrition is to overall health, and it's not, it's not a small percentage, it's probably a gigantic percentage. And these medical professionals don't even get trained in it at all. So yeah, they're just looking for the magic pill. And it's, they're not totally to blame because that's what the consumer wants too. Correct, and, because that's how and, we've been encultured and trained, yeah. right, by media. Exactly right. Exactly right. Even the nurses at Northwestern, uh, I had there were five different things on the menu that I could eat when I was in the hospital for two weeks because I was on a very, my husband likes to say, no fun diet, right? No vinegar, <laughs> no soy, no dairy, no gluten, all the things. Yeah. So there were five items on the menu I could eat. And when my potassium was low, being someone who I was self-pay, and because I was in the States, my bill did change, right? If I if I needed a potassium supplement, I would pay for that because I, I was paying out of pocket off trial. Right. So my husband went to a couple blocks down in downtown Chicago and went to Whole Foods or Trader Joe's and picked up some bananas and some avocados. Right. <laughs> I started eating those every day and suddenly my potassium leveled out and I didn't need that extra supplement every day. Yeah. Dr. Jen treating herself. That's cool. (laughs) Well, it's just one of those people say diet doesn't matter. You can eat whatever you want. But the nurses at Northwestern told me that the patients, because I was on the same floor as patients who had cancer and were there for HSCT for their blood cancers. And she said the patients who come in with a negative mindset or try to hold on to the past, try to hold on to their comfort foods and they eat lasagna and cheeseburgers every day, end up with complications and stay here much longer than the people who have a positive mindset and get themselves moving along. I'm like, why would anyone want a cheeseburger during chemo is beyond me. It's just like that hurts my insides. <laughs> I know, I know that that is one of the many wonderful things about going down to Puebla is that the um, they will really accommodate just about any diet request that you have. And um, you do have more than five choices. <laughs> I ate, I ate so many avocados that uh, by the end of the trip, and I thought this was impossible, I didn't want any more. And uh, for me, that's saying something because I love avocados. Mm. But um, yeah, they, they have a, a wonderful kitchen that they have a wonderful everything. The entire staff is so accommodating. And then uh, they're amazingly proficient at, at giving this treatment because it's really all they do. It's all they, so they do. Yeah. And they got the system down. And it's like, if you ever wondered how Henry Ford built a car, that's how Dr. Weiss does HSCT. Right. It is a yeah. it is a tried and true system. You're here on day one. You're here on day two. And you get a you get a cell phone that gives you every step laid out. So it does take away a lot of the fear, especially as you start to go through it. It's like, okay, they know what they're doing. This is, this is, this is good. Nobody's guessing. 
it never ceases to amaze me, though, how many people still doubt. I have so many interviews from people who have been to Puebla or Monterrey, and they all say the same thing. It's a well-oiled machine because that's all they do at Clinical Ruiz. Yeah, that's it. And I'm wondering, um, and and you may know, I haven't done the research yet, but is, is Dr. Federico, I'm guessing they're not doing it right now. I'm going to guess that it's on hold for a little bit. Yeah, that's and and we don't need to get into that, but that's that's a that's a tragedy in itself. Absolutely. Absolutely. To be in 2022 and somewhere in the world there's still a war going on is just a human tragedy. Undoubtedly. But here we are negativity again. Yeah, I know. I was just thinking that too. I want I want to be positive. Everybody I'm as happy as a person <laughs> can be, uh, and and I and I owe a great deal of it to to my health, and I and I don't take it for granted, and I am super happy every day when I wake up because partially because of HSCT has helped me so much. Yeah, hopefully you enjoy many many years ahead, free from disease progression. That's the plan. So thank you, Eric, so much. For sharing You're welcome, your yeah, insights you. and your questions and your ideas and and just your experience in no, Puebla. It was, yeah, it was fun. It was fun talking to you, and it's um, it's. I feel like we're all brothers and sisters in a way because we've all been through the same thing, and that's um, it. Definitely creates a a, a bond that will last forever. Be sure to visit hsctwarriorspodcast.org, where you can find notes from today's episode, submit ideas or feedback, and connect with resources and the HSCT Warriors Incorporated nonprofit. As always, special thanks to musical genius Billy Allitzhauser for sharing his superpowers to create the soundtrack, edit, and produce the audio to make this podcast possible. You can find us both when you subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts. It has been amazing to connect with warriors worldwide, and we would love to hear from you about how the podcast has helped your journey with autoimmune disease. Take a moment to connect with us on Instagram or share this episode with someone you know that would enjoy listening. In the meantime, we hope you'll tune in next Wednesday for another episode highlighting another HSCT warrior. Until then, be a snowflake and embrace your superpowers. Be kind, be well. Jen Stansberry Koenig and the producers disclaim medical influence and responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. If you think you have a medical problem, please contact a licensed physician and take good care.